Ion 2020, episode 229. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, your source for the news and events in the lead up to the 2020 presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date daily until November 2020 with a libertarian perspective on the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for joining me. Now let's clear our vision. Hey y'all, it's Ray Eaton here, host of Ion 2020. Thanks for joining me for another day in the life of the 2020 election. Moving through the week, we are about to be coming upon tomorrow the Democratic debate. So uh, usually on these debate weeks, I usually focus a lot on the debates and just kind of like the lead up to the whole process and the whole fight that they do, you know, on that debate day and everything. Uh, so that's what I'll be talking about a little bit today as well. Uh, it is kind of, believe it or not, a nice relief from having to sit here and listen to the entire impeachment proceedings and all that. Uh, Monday and Tuesday, they are not talking about the debate, or the, excuse me, they're not talking about the uh, impeachment hearings too much. They're talking about the recap from last week and everything. Then they're all talking about like who's the winners, who's the losers, and all that. Uh, whether D- Donald Trump was a loser, whether the Republicans lost, whether Democrats lost the week. Uh, but coming up, you have some more people that are going to be talking. I think there's like eight witnesses that'll be talking this week as well on Wednesday and on Friday. So I'll keep you guys updated on what's going on with those conversations that they're having, the lines of questioning and stuff that they're having of those particular witnesses as well as we go through the week. So. Because it's, I mean, that that's pretty much going to be stuff that's on the news, and I like to give you guys the take from a libertarian perspective on this stuff as well. Because we kind of sit outside the political spectrum in some ways as libertarians, right? We're not really ones who are going to get too much involved and too much emotionally involved in this whole impeachment proceeding. I don't anyway, and I know a lot of my friends are libertarians. They don't seem like they do either. Like I'm not getting all riled up about it, but I do like to kind of shine the light on the government for what it is, which is a lot of corruption that's going on and so forth. And it's kind of, you can see that in both the way that the Democrats are trying to treat this thing and the way that the Republicans are trying to treat it as well. If in fact there is corruption in the White House and they're able to prove that stuff, you know, I personally don't see that they're proving it very well on the Democratic side yet, but there are eight more witnesses that are going to be testifying. Um, so maybe they'll be able to convince me. I mean, I, I, I don't really see that they're convincing the American people too much it's about 50-50 split right now. On like, There's been some polls that were released, and it, it's showing like 51% of people say that the president uh, sh- may or should be impeached, and there's about 49% of people or so that are saying that he shouldn't be impeached. So it's kind of 50-50 split. Um, that's not the exact numbers, but that's one of the polls that I listened to. There's like 26 or 27% of people that are like absolutely should not be impeached, and that's going to be the uh, staunch... Trump supporters, obviously. But yeah, so that's what we're looking at. I mean, they might be able to convince me that it's impeachable offense. I don't know. I'm not going to, I kind of look at it from an unbiased perspective and everything. Um, So we'll see what happens going forward. But you do have those eight witnesses that are coming out. 
But yeah, I mean, it just shines a light on the whole corrupt system for what it is. And that is Democrats are really just lining up their own witnesses. They're not really giving the Republicans much chance to choose their witnesses. They're saying like this guy, Peter Schiff, can call any witness that he wants to, whereas the Republicans are... You know, it's their their time to call witnesses is closed. I think they were able to submit their witnesses last week, but they can't just say, "Hey, you know what? We found three or four new witnesses that we want to call." Uh, and then, even if they did have that ability, Peter, this Schiff guy, Peter Schiff, can go ahead and uh, tell them, "You know, screw you. You can't have it. Uh, you can't have your witnesses." So uh, there is a little. Seems like there's a lot of bias in the entire system that they're going with anyway for this impeachment this impeachment proceeding it seems like there's just a ton of just partisanism because of that because of the way they're going about it maybe they should have gotten like an independent congressperson or an independent mediator maybe to run it and then maybe at that point you would see democrats and republicans kind of uh not looking like it's being such a partisan divide such a partisan issue but I don't think that's what the way that Washington works. I don't think that's the way that the impeachment proceedings work. It's just one group that seems like they're going for a witch hunt against Donald Trump and his administration. That's what it seems like to me. But you know what? There could be some truth. Whether there's smoke, there's some fire, possibly. So we shall see. But that's not what I was going to be talking about today. I just wanted to bring that up to you, that there will be some more impeachment stuff going on over the next couple of days. And I will bring that stuff to you guys as well, uh, because this is I in 2020, and one of the people that's running for election is Donald Trump. So obviously, I'll be talking about that because that is really going to affect his reelection. You know, down the road, they're going to be able to drag his name to the dirt, or maybe it'll help him out among the voters. I don't know. But the main thing I really want to talk about today is this: um, you do have the people that are going to be going to the debate. You have 10 people that uh, have made it into the debate, right? You have Joe Biden, Cory Booker, Pete Buttigieg, Tulsi Gabbard, Kamala Harris, Amy Klobuchar, Bernie Sanders, Tom Steyer, Elizabeth Warren, and Andrew Yang, those 10. So those people, uh, I just wanted to go over, I'm not going to get into them too much. I, I will do that on tomorrow's show, and I'll talk about each of those candidates and what their um, political philosophy, I guess, and where they're standing. But today I wanted to talk more about um, some of the polls that have come out in recent days. That's basically what I want to talk about today, because it does show a lot of movement for certain candidates, but it shows other candidates that are pretty much not doing anything at all. And uh, they're still on the debate stage, though. And that's a good thing for anyone that's on the debate stage, because there are a lot of candidates that are still running. You probably have 17 Maybe 18 candidates are still running, maybe even more than that, but you only have, it might, yeah, it may really might be more than that because you just had two more people get in as well. So you probably have maybe almost 20 people running still, and you only have 10 people on that debate stage. So this is really going to help out the people that are on the debate stage, and it's not going to help out the people that are obviously are not on the debate stage because they're not going to have any access to media, except for maybe before and after the debate. A lot of times those people will get a little bit of media attention if they have a good press. You know, if they if the press will actually talk to them, you might have those people on stage. But here's the latest polls that have come out that I found, and it's on. It comes from Real Killer Politics. I always go to there to find the polls and stuff. So if you guys want to check out where I'm getting these poll 
all these polls, that's where I find them at. So you have 2020 Democratic nomination. This is a national poll that came out on Monday. And it's from the Hill Harris X, and that's the polling company that does it. And this one's showing Joe Biden. This is a national poll, by the way, so it's not a specific to a state. So you're going to have, um, obviously, Joe Biden's leading a lot of those states that are out there. So Joe Biden's at 30% on that poll. He's leading by 12 points. Now, keep in mind, a lot of the polls that I find, it'll show Joe Biden losing. It'll show Joe Biden just barely ahead. This one's showing him ahead by 12 points. So this might be an outlier poll. Let me go ahead and click on it and see where the other polls are that came out. So you got the Economist poll that has Joe Biden at 23%. That's the one that came out about a week or so ago. And it has Warren at 26%, Sanders at 17%, and Buttigieg at 9%. So Buttigieg on averages is polling at 8.3% on the average for the month or so on these polls, whereas Biden's at 27%, and that's the real clear politics average is what they call it. They're taking an average of four or five different polls that came out over the last couple of weeks. You have uh, Warren, her average is 20.8. Sanders' average is 18.8. So, But this is the most recent poll that came out, and it's showing that Biden is way ahead of Warren, Sanders, and Buttigieg. So he's at 30%. Warren's at 15%. Sanders is at 18%. And Buttigieg is at 7%. And then let me just go down the entire list as well, because these are the people that are on the debate stage. Harris at 4%, Yang at 2%, you have Bloomberg at 3%, which is pretty solid for just getting into the race, and it's surprising that they even have him on there, but they don't have him on any of these polls except for the Hill and Political, or Politico were polling with Bloomberg on there, so he was getting 3% and 2%, even though he hasn't even officially announced that he's going to be running yet. That's interesting. Klobuchar is only at 1%. Booker and Cash or Booker's at 1%. Castro's at 2%. Delaney's at 2%. And Gabbard's at 1% in these polls. So uh, that's really interesting to see where these, stand, where these candidates stand. It really is a race between four people right now, it seems like to me. And, and then the other six people that are going to be on that debate stage, they are really going to have to put up some numbers. They're going to have to figure out a way to get a lot of time speaking and really connect with the voter and maybe even attack somebody in a way that'll get them more publicity in the next couple of days afterwards as well, where they could clearly, like where the pundits will clearly say, oh yeah, Tom Steyer was the clear winner of this debate or Tulsi Gabbard really put some, you know, put some jabs in there at Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren for whatever their talk, whatever their plans were, and uh, she really did hit it, hit them hard, and maybe we'll look at her a little bit more seriously. But otherwise, and I think Steyer or Steyer, Tom Steyer will have the staying power to stay in because he has so much money. But all these other candidates are pretty much dead broke at this point. I mean, Cory Booker, Tulsi Gabbard, Klobuchar. Yang, like they might have five or six million dollars in their coffers, and that's about it at this point. Uh, Bloomberg probably has plenty if he wants to jump into it, but it's really Warren Sanders and Buttigieg that have the big amounts of money. Even Joe Biden's having a hard time raising money, so uh, these debates are really going to be key. 
to tell where these people are going to be standing in December and then also as we get into primary season, which will be in February. So they really only have a few chances left to put their names out there. Um, And being a libertarian, being somebody who is watching it from the outside, none of these people are going to convince me of their socialist views in the case of Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, or on their really far left-leaning views in the case of people like Pete Buttigieg, Cory Booker, right, even Tom Steyer, like those people I'm not going to be convinced of that something that they say is really going to work, like we need Medicare for all or we need Medicare for some, like being a libertarian, that's not something that I am going to be, you know, they're not going to bring me on board with that. But I would like to see some of these people talk more on foreign policy because a lot of the Democrats seem like they're good on foreign policy. You have Tulsi Gabbard, who clearly talks about an anti-war stance. Even Pete Buttigieg has gone as far as saying that maybe we should end some of these foreign entanglements as well. But he seems like he is for some and not for others. Bernie Sanders, he does not make that a centerpiece of his campaign, even though he seems like he's usually on the right side of a lot of these war, like these war conversations as well. Now you have somebody like Joe Biden, who's pretty much the status quo on the wars. He's okay with the foreign interventions. He's okay with American foreign policy being over-encompassing across the entire world. So those are things that, being a libertarian, we can watch these debates and we can listen to them only because of those things. But when we're listening to the rest of it, we could just listen to it and think to ourselves, you know, and the thing that you want to do is you want to know what they're talking about so that when you talk to your friends, when you're having conversations with your friends about libertarianism, when you're having conversations about your friends about government and the way that we should interact with government, the expectations that we should have for our government, we can know what the Democrats are saying because they are leading us into a path towards socialism. They are leading us on a path that's going to bring bring greater socialism to America. There already is socialism in America. We have Social Security. We have Medicare. We have this huge safety net. We have government telling businesses how much they should pay people. Like, that's all socialism. That's socializing the cost of things. So we already have it in America. But our goal is to start to break down those things, right? And the only way we can do that is to understand our enemy. And our enemy is the statist, right? Our enemy is the our, is those people that are out there trying to say that we need more government. By knowing our enemy, by knowing what they're talking about, by knowing their arguments and how they present them, we can come up with ways to present it to people in a different way, or present our arguments in a different way that maybe will create some curiosity in people's minds about liberty, about free markets, about self-determination, things like that about limiting the government, because that's the biggest thing, is limiting the government. We have an all-encompassing government right now. Everything we could do, every little piece that we can do to limit the government's interaction in our lives, the government's control over our lives, that's what we need to do, and that's what we need to be able to educate our friends about. So I actually enjoy watching the debates so that I can see what their arguments are. Now, every one of those people up there, they're all kind of the same, you know? There's very minuscule differences between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. There's even more, there's even smaller differences between 
Bernie Sanders, and the other person that's supposed to be a centrist, Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg was actually a Bernie Sanders supporter in 2016. He's taking a path right now where he's trying to sound like he's a centrist. But his heart is where Bernie Sanders is at. That's really the truth. So what we need to do, like I always say, is start talking to our friends and talking to people about the way that we, the expectations that we have of our federal government, right? The expectations that people have right now, the expectation is everything that's wrong, we look to the politicians in Washington to fix it. That's what we do. Everything. What's wrong with the schools? We look to the politicians in Washington to fix it. We don't look to our local politicians to fix it. Some people do. Some people look to the local politicians. Some people get involved in their school, school boards. But when there's problems that need to be fixed in Washington, the first thing we hear with anything, the first thing we do is look to Washington. If there's a problem with water in, you know, Flint, Michigan, even the politicians there, or even the politicians are expected to fix that when that's a local issue. So... Every time there's an issue that comes up, every time there's a problem that comes up, people's natural reaction is to look to Washington because that's where the president's at. That's where the TV stations are talking about. And that's kind of, that could be a problem, that the, the way that the media is set up, we're not focused on local media anymore. We're focused on national attention, national news. So we're, our, the goal for everybody is to get themselves into the national spotlight. And then we look to the national government for everything the federal government that's that's something that we need to start teaching our friends and our family members and people around us that that is not the place to look the place to look is in your family and so forth but we need to change that culture guys that's what we need to do and that's why watching the debates watching the democrats way that they talk at least by that little bit you can get that little bit of knowledge about what they're talking about so that you could present your arguments in a valid way to your friends and family and let them know why you don't support Bernie Sanders why you don't support someone like Pete Buttigieg or even Joe Biden or even Donald Trump if that's the case you know we learn their arguments so that we can use it against them that's a key that's you know that's that's what we can do so Hey guys, I appreciate you coming out and joining me each day as you uh, listen to the show. You know, hopefully you're learning a lot. Hopefully you're learning about the politicians, but you're also learning about libertarian ideas. That is one thing that I'm trying to do is present those things in a comprehensive, you know, a, a comprehensive way, I guess. I mean, I'm no Tom Woods by any means. Uh, he is the person that probably leads the libertarian movement in the sense of the you know, the, the wonderful thinking that the thinking man that he is, he's just an eloquent speaker in every single way. Uh, my goal is just to put together a show that will allow you guys to see the politicians for who they are. And that's people that are looking for power, power hungry people, people that are willing to do anything it takes to get elected. I mean, look at Bernie Sanders. He'll do anything. He'll give away the entire world in order to get elected. Everything. So yeah, but keep on coming back every day. Monday through Friday, I'll be doing this show for you guys until the debate or until the uh, election happens. And then uh, if you want to, follow me on Facebook and on Twitter. You can do that by typing in I am the Empire. You can also go to IamTheEmpire.com. And then you can email me, Ray, at IamTheEmpire.com as well. 
And if you keep on doing that, and then you give me a five-star rating and review and subscribe to the show at that point, you'll be able to come back tomorrow and have clear vision for 2020.